You are listening to Coffee with Curtis and I'm Robert Curtis. Welcome to the show. Coffee with Curtis is a weekly podcast where you will be able to tune into my conversations over coffee with business leaders sharing their journey and experiences to give you insights to impact your own business. So grab a coffee and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Coffee with Curtis. In fact, the final episode of the year and it has been quite the year. Joining me on the show is personal branding expert, Amelia Sordell, CEO of Clout, the personal branding agency. Amelia is great and you're gonna love her. She burst onto the scene in 2020 with her energetic LinkedIn lives, superb social media posts, giving huge value and insight into the importance of personal brand and more importantly, how to do it correctly. I've enjoyed following her this year, so it was great to have her on Coffee with Curtis. Enjoy the episode, everyone. I'm wishing you all happy holidays and a happy and healthy new year. Hey, Amelia, welcome to the show. So delighted to have you here. I've been following you, as I've said, over this past year and your journey. I'm really excited to be able to dive into some of your insights and personal experiences through 2020 because you've had a pretty amazing journey. So welcome, Amelia, first of all. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here with my coffee in hand. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow, I didn't even make one for this one. How bad is that? Coffee with Curtis and Curtis hasn't even got a coffee. <laughs> I've got enough caffeine for the both of us. So I think we should be okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's kick off. And for those of our listeners who, for some crazy reason, haven't heard of you so far, which can only be a very small percentage of our following, um, just give us an insight into um, who you are. Tell us about Amelia, what your journey is in terms of your career and where you're up to at the moment. So who am I? Gosh, loaded question to kick off. <laughs> hey. um, I run a business called Clout. We we are a personal branding agency, so we are operating in a very similar way to a traditional branding agency. But instead of branding businesses, we brand people, which me- makes my job incredibly exciting. I get to work with amazing CEOs of like FTSE businesses all the way down to startups, which is really, really exciting. My career journey has been like a typical millennial, like agile kind of climb up the ladder as I think most people that are 30 years old have I've been like the biggest job hopper ever I've done um, events I've done PR I've done marketing I was a headhunter in the tech ecosystem for a few years and it's all kind of boiled down to personal branding that was the one kind of common denominator through my whole career was I was managing to leverage these incredible relationships with people by building out my personality at scale online And so clout was a very organic next step for me because people were coming to me asking for advice on how to build their profile on LinkedIn or what podcast they should be going on or how to launch a podcast. I have not got a podcast. So why people think I'm the authority on that, I don't know. But it was just a very organic next step to kind of do what I love and, and help others do what they were coming to me asking for. I love that. I love the fact that Although you say you job hopped and lots of people in that millennial range, you know, will probably identify with that. Um, in, it sounds like in each of those roles, the thing that sang through was this Amelia brand that kept coming through in whatever role you were doing. And it sounds like you were always personal branding, even if you're doing it subconsciously. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I've always had this belief because I I kind of started off my career in PR which is traditionally very formal and press releases and 
you know, dealing with traditional print press, like even when I first started my career, digital was a thing, but it wasn't what it is today. Like we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Twitter, I think had just started, but it wasn't really, you know, the kind of, it, it wasn't transforming businesses. It was very much an individual thing. And so going from a place where I, I personally think PR agencies and, and PR in general still operates the same way, going from a place that is very kind of formally led and, pr and print led and having to build those relationships with journalists and brands and then in through to my career as a marketing person, having to build that, that kind of reputation internally with, you know, the people I was working with, as well as building out my personal brand externally to make sure we were winning clients and all that kind of stuff. I think you're right. The common denominator has always been that I firmly believe that people buy from people. And so although I perhaps didn't know personal branding was what that's called, <laughs> I um, it's always been a common denominator and all my jobs have reflected that, I think. I, I wonder whether you believe, and this might be a rhetorical question because you've set up the agency clout on the basis of personal branding, but unless you're one of the mega brands today, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all the big brands that uh, we could roll off that for some reason I'm forgetting at this moment in time, they all, all obviously operate within a brand power perspective. But when you're a small business owner or you are a startup, yes, brand is important, but you've opted for personal brand, which is very, very different to corporate or company branding. Why did you opt for that route, first of all? And was there or is there a thought pattern that actually within that genre, that vertical of small business, startups um, that need to make a, a presence that they can't fight brand to brand yet, that the personal is more impactful? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So to go back to your earlier point around big brands and how they sort of operate, there is 100% a place for personal branding within the big corporates. And we can see that, you know, prominent in the fact that you've got Mark Zuckerberg as the head of Facebook. He has a personal brand. Elon Musk has a personal brand. You cannot think of Tesla without thinking of Elon Musk. He has a team that he pays about $20 million a year to run his personal brand. And so this whole concept of um, big corporates can't have personal individual brands but they should be investing in in all their money into the company brand is actually a false economy because you need both this whole sort of mass branding mass marketing mass advertising ideas you know that no longer works and I think Seth Godin always talks about this as being the future of marketing and the future of branding is is tribal you have to influence people from within those communities and the easiest way to do that is through brand advocacy on an individual basis and so we're now working with businesses that are you know i'm not saying we don't work with coke but we are working with businesses that are billion pound revenue businesses who see the value of investing in their senior leadership or their one below the senior leadership team even down to their sdrs and their junior you know, marketing associates, they want everyone to have a personal brand because number one, they see that as an investment in that individual and that individual's confidence and career. But it's also an investment in the company brand because that person has 10 times the reach that their brand ever could on a corporate scale. So when you think if you've got a thousand employees in your business and every single one of those people has 10 times the reach that your business does, I mean, gosh, you're into like serious territory there. So 
I think there's a place for it with with corporate brands. And then to go on to your second question, which was around, you know, should you be investing in your personal brand as opposed to the company brand if you're competing on that brand kind of value level? When you initially start, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this as well, is when you initially start a business, you are the brand. It doesn't matter whether you're selling products or you're selling services or what a dashboard, you know, whatever it is, initially you are the brand. And so if you're trying to get your feet in, in the mud and you're trying to get your fit, fit off the ground, you're trying to get into these businesses that are going to help you amplify, elevate, get your business to the next stage of scale, you're going to have to invest in your personal brand because that is who people are going to buy into. That's who your employees potentially are going to buy into. That's who investors are going to buy into. We're working with a company right now whose sole purpose of building their personal brand was to get investment because the investors are going, we love this product, but where's your where's your skin in the game? Where's your brand equity? Where's your following of people that are going to buy this? And so off the back of that, we've now built him up to a point where he can now go to investors and say, hey, this is my engagement rate on every single post I do. These are the results I'm getting. And they've gone, great, here's your money. Let's I love do it. That. I love that personal branding with a purpose that has an outcome. Yeah, correct. Like I, I am a out and out data-driven marketer. That's like my trade, right? Everything for me comes down to what was the cost per sale? What was the cost per lead? What was even like down to the kind of vanity stuff of cost per click and all that kind of stuff. That is of interest to me. I don't think there is a point in doing anything marketing unless it leads back to awareness, ROI, credibility, authority, and that can be tracked. So for me, if clients come to us when we have the initial conversation and they go, oh yeah, we want to build a personal brand because we want to. I'm like, okay, so why? Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, you know, my friends are doing it. We have no interest in working with those people. I want people to work with us who are very clear on what their, their metrics in their head are. Like, what are their goals from doing this? It might be that they need to generate more business. It might be that they want to be on authority in that space. And so therefore the marketing goal of the back of that is being invited to podcasts, going and speaking on stages, being invited to quote interviews, being going on the BBC or CNN or whatever it is. But there has to be a clear goal because otherwise it's just a dream, right? Like hope isn't a strategy. We need something to aim for. Um, and so I think it's very important that when you go, right, I'm going to build my personal brand, you have a clear purpose as to why you're doing that, because it will become hard at some point. It will become a bit tedious. You will think, bloody hell, I have to do this again. And so you need that North Star to keep you going. Otherwise, what's the point? I love that. I love the North Star idea. I, th I, th I think for those listening, we all have an idea of what personal brand is. Uh, we we recognise it when we see it. But I would love to hear from you, what is the clout Amelia definition of personal branding? Cool, I love it. So the clout definition, the Amelia-ism, if you like, <laughs> I, see, I see personal branding as the strategy to shaping your reputation at scale. So personal branding, a personal brand is not the outcome here. We, I'm not interested in your personal brand. I'm interested in your reputation in your space and how we can leverage that to generate more leads, build credibility, et cetera, et cetera. So it is the strategy that is, it's simply the execution plan that we've put in place to build your reputation out at scale. Um, and I think that's probably the most simple way to, to think about personal branding is it's not a thing, it's just the thing you do to get to where you need to go. I love that definition. I'm gonna be using that with your <laughs> credit, with credits, of course, um, but, You've touched on something earlier around the older style PR processes, strategies that 
traditional PR agencies use. You know, how can you get me on CNN and Sky News to talk about what I'm doing? And I think that still has a role to some extent. I don't live in that world, so I'm, I'm not sure on the true impact. But I see from clients that we work with, from the work that you're doing, that that has such a limited impact because it's a, it's a one-time hit. You've got to hope that your clients are watching that minute of Sky News. And yes, you can repurpose it and put it out there. And it's just, a, it's, it's almost like another content tool that you can use to build for the wider digital strategy. Are you, are you seeing within the work that you do a total focus on digital or is there still that hanging on to, you've got to get me on Sky News because I think that's what's going to make it work. Yeah, no, I, I mean, so my sort of play and certainly as the agent, as an agency, we are digital first. So someone um, that your listeners may or may not recognize, Harry Hugo, who's the co-founder of a, an influencer agency called The Go Agency, said to me recently, um, don't do anything that's not scalable to infinite. So to me, if you go on the BBC, you go on CNN, you're on Sky News, that's not scalable to infinite because you're limited to who is watching at that moment. Um, so although it has a play and it has a place and it is a strategy that we're going to be executing, not just from my personal branding um, strategy, but for companies and clients that we're working with in the next, the next sort of two to three quarters, it is not the first strategy we will use because it's not scalable to infinite. So Instagram scalable to infinite, we can reach like anyone on that platform. We can reach anyone on LinkedIn. We can reach anyone on TikTok. We can reach anyone on YouTube, we can reach anyone on digital. You can literally touch any single person in the whole world with digital. And that goes back to that spreading of ideas. You know, the, the traditional media models are not spreading ideas. They're simply sort of feeding you, for lack of a word, better word, the propaganda that they want you to know, right? Like it doesn't matter what channel you watch, they're just giving you information. They're not necessarily starting a discussion because it's a one way channel you can't interact with your tv i mean it might ask you to press a red button and watch it in a different scope or, and join a forum or something but you cannot interact with your tv i can interact with people on an individual level at scale online you just can't do that in any other medium i think this is true across so many verticals I did some work earlier this year with companies around digital workplace transformation and how they were going to think about that in a COVID world. And CEOs had been typically broadcast CEOs and not engagement CEOs. And you'll say exactly the same thing when it comes to personal branding. When you are a broadcast brand, you're putting out the message and there probably is a space for that. But like you're saying with Sky News, I'm broadcasting. I'm putting my agenda on it with their agenda on it. There's zero engagement. I think there will always be a place for the broadcast version. Um, I think it's going to be pretty small. Um, I mean, certainly we're introducing it to part of our strategy, mainly to test it, to see whether it's still relevant, but there will always be a place for it. But I do think the future of it is, it is a two-way channel. Business to business marketing, branding, you know, even B2C, it's no longer business to consumer it's no longer direct to consumer it's no longer business to business it's human to human it doesn't matter whether you're selling a service-based product to an enterprise business there is someone behind that enterprise business that has to make that buying decision so they might have got through all the processes and gone yep it's affordable yep fits into our budget yep 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 but at the end of the day 
the end result is going to come from whoever hits that credit card pay button. And so you have to be able to reach that person and go, right, how is this product? How am I going to sway them emotionally to buy from us, not from our competitor? Because let's be honest, most businesses are priced in a similar way. Like even if you're a premium product, there will be a competitor that is priced in a similar way. So when that, when you bring that back, you have two different types of buyers, right? You have economic buyers, you have user buyers. The user buyers are the value of the ones that you want because they're the ones that aren't too bothered about price. They're, they're buying for your service. They're buying for you to fix their problem. And so in order to encourage them to buy from you specifically to fix their problem, you've got to address their problem. You've got to be a painkiller. You, you can't be a we're cheaper than everyone else because cheap isn't valuable. Painkillers are valuable. And you'll only know that if you speak to the individual, you'll only be able to tell them that if you speak to the individual. Changing track a little bit in terms of actual digital strategy. Take us back to the beginning of 2020. I want to understand what your personal brand as Amelia looked like, particularly on LinkedIn. And you've, you've gone very heavy on LinkedIn. Um, I haven't been following you particularly on other platforms um, just because I'm 90% of my time in LinkedIn. And we'll talk about maybe some of the, the other channels as well. But what does your journey on, on LinkedIn look like this year? Because I think it's been pretty extraordinary. Yeah, it's so many people have said to me, God, you've just blown up. Where have you come from? And I'm like, I've been doing this for nearly two years, guys. Like I've been chipping away. And, and I think that's an important point to make is people look at the fact that I went into lockdown with maybe 12,000 followers and I'm coming out of it with nearly 30. That growth is pretty incredible when you think that it took me about 10 years to get to two. So like the trajectory of that has been nuts. But that's been a compounded impact after posting consistently for nearly, what, 18 months? I think what this is such an important point because so many conversations come back to, oh, I posted a few times and nothing much has happened. Patience, patience, patience is what you're saying. A hundred percent. I always use the analogy of a gym, right? You don't go to the gym for six months, get rock hard abs and then go, oh, I'm going to go and pee for the rest Tell of my life. about it. like you can't go and eat pizza for the rest of your life you have to keep showing up at the gym to keep those abs personal branding and any kind of marketing or any kind of branding period you have to consistently work at it like if you're a marketer this this sentence will resonate with you you have a never-ending to-do list that like the job of marketing and the job of branding is never done ever like you can't stop ever and so going to the gym is the same thing so consistency is so important but it should not be confused with frequency so frequency to me is people going oh i need to build my personal brand i need to build a brand I need to be my company brand whatever it is i'm going to post every single day and that's going to build it no frequency does not build anything consistent valuable content is what you need to hit for and that might be that you post three times a week but those three things that you post are exceptional Mm. exceptional because you've spent that extra time going what headline is going to make people read more what how can I present this information in a way that my ideal customer is going to go oh that's interesting so put that thought into those three posts instead of saying, oh, I need to post every day because my competitor is posting every day. Your competitors has less of a clue than you do. Focus on what you're good at doing and do it consistently, but in a way that's quality over quantity. I think that's super, super interesting because if you look at some of the big influencers who are um, you know, spouting across all of the different channels, you know, just keep posting, post, 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 post. I understand that. 
but you're giving a very nuanced approach to what they're saying, which is, of course, post regularly, um, have a pattern to that. But the quality really does play in in terms of the message, what you're saying. So whether it was once a week, three times a week, that moment has to be mind blowingly brilliant at the same time. A hundred percent. And I think that's where people get hugely frustrated because they're posting every day because all these gurus are telling them to post every day and they're getting nothing from it. And it's like, stop focusing on how often you should be posting and start focusing on the quality of your message. Because I think it's a famous Gary Vee quote, and I'm obsessed with Gary Vee. I fully drink his Kool-Aid, although I have a a few issues with his personal brand. Because for me, his personal brand isn't scalable. People want to work with Gary, right? So when they go to, when they go to VaynerMedia, they want to work with Vay- they want to work with Gary Vaynerchuk. They don't want to work with VaynerMedia. So, but we're in that same spot right now. I'm obviously haven't Gary haven't got Gary V's reach, but we're trying to separate the Clout brand and Amelia Sordell's brand so that Clout can stand up on its own and be its own kind of champion. But that's a whole different different conversation entirely. I've kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, but what a lot of these gurus are saying is you need to be posting consistently, consistently, consistently. And, and what Gary Vee says is focus on the quality of your message rather than the quality of your production. People mm-hmm. value the quality of your message over the quality of your production. So stop trying to make it perfect. Stop trying to make your video slick and well edited and all this kind of stuff. Focus on making what you are saying when you say it impeccable. Because that is what people will remember. They don't care about whether you um denard in your video. They don't care that you forgot to put subtitles on. They don't care that you went on Canva and created this incredible infographic. If the actual content is rubbish, you won't get any reactions from it. You won't get any engagement from it. You're not going to get anything from it. So focus more on how on what you're saying rather than how you're saying it. Which makes perfect sense. And that's always been true. It's just that we're at, we're working in a different realm now. You know, when we were younger, or certainly me, I think I'm a bit older than you, you know, we had three or four channels. And, you know, if we didn't like something that was on at that moment, obviously we had more limited access to more content, but the content had to be good to keep us there. And it's mm-hmm. the same today. It's just that it, the scale is obviously through the roof in, in today's world. Mm which is why we have 800 channels now because they can't keep people on watching TV because people are on the internet. I think it's the biggest cause of ADHD, by the way, because with that remote control and you're just flicking, flicking, flicking. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same with with social media though, isn't it? Just scroll, 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 swipe, swipe, swipe. It's all based on the same metric of the same thesis, which is the, the gambling What's the, what are those slot machines? You know, when you pull the slot machine down, that's what that's what all social media is based on slot machine. That's what it comes down to because you have an addiction to pulling it one more time, one more time. Let me just see one more post, one more post, one more story, one more tweet. Keep pulling that, pulling that lever, pulling that lever, pulling that lever. And before you know it, you've been there for 10 hours, you're 10 grand down and you know, <laughs> every your whole day's gone. <laughs> it's the same premise. Now, as we were mentioning before, you have gone very heavy on LinkedIn. I want you to sort of share with our listeners why that has been important for you. And also within that answer, Talk to me about the other channels. I am on the other channels, but they are harder to crack. Um, they are um, much more pay to play in some, some respects for your brands. Um, so, so talk to us about your LinkedIn journey, why it's so important and how does that stack up against the others? So LinkedIn is valuable for a few reasons. First of all, the organic reach that you can get still it's it's declined a little bit i think to 
to draw it back a bit and give you context, I think of social media platforms a little bit like the economy, right? Or a little bit like ideas. If you think of Deliveroo, Deliveroo wasn't the first delivery service provider. They just happened to get in as an early adopter of that idea. And so if you think of it as an upward curve, and then when everyone jumps on the train, it's kind of at the top of the curve and then it declines massively, like Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, are down right in the depths of nothing right now. It's so saturated. But LinkedIn still kind of maybe a little bit far, far past the sort of early adopter stage and, and really into sort of mainstream, but it's still at the top of that curve. You can still get this incredible organic reach. I posted something the other day that got a million views. If I did that on Facebook, I'd have to pay 10 grand. So, you know, the organic reach you can get is unbelievable. It's free marketing. Why wouldn't you want to leverage that? So that's the first reason why it's so powerful. Secondly, if you consider other social media channels like Facebook and Instagram, we'll use those as references because they're probably the most well used and, 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 and relevant to this conversation. If you think about them, everyone fakes who they are. Everyone's a business owner. Everyone's an entrepreneur. Everyone's got a Range Rover. Everyone, blah, blah, blah. Everyone brings their fakest, most polished version to those platforms because people care what other people think. On LinkedIn, you have to be tied to a business. So mm. the, the likelihood of you mm-hmm. fronting what that is, is very low. And so you have these plat- this platform, which is probably 70 to 80% accurate in terms of job title, where they work, regions. And if you think about that in a capacity of targeting individuals to sell to them, that's a game changer. Because on Facebook, yes, you can spend all this money and you'll get lots of money back and et cetera, et cetera. You can only target it based on the information that the people on the platform have given Facebook, essentially, and their, and their buying behaviors. LinkedIn is so specific, so specific. I know that when I target CEO, 70 to 80% of my ad spend is going to be towards actual CEOs, not people that say they're CEOs. So I think that's another reason why LinkedIn is so powerful is the accuracy of the data. The cost per lead, if you're going to do advertising on it, is huge, but you know, therefore your cost per sale is going to be much, much higher, but you're actually going to make a sale (laughs) rather than on Facebook where you might spend, you know, you might get your cost per lead as a, the same price as a loaf of bread, but does it actually convert? Probably not. Um, So that's another reason why LinkedIn is so powerful. Um, And also I think when people come to LinkedIn, they're in a professional capacity. So it's not like um, Instagram or Facebook where people have gone to escape and, and to kind of laugh at a meme or, you know, like a picture of a kitten or whatever, people come to LinkedIn to learn, to use it as a news feed, mm-hmm. to engage with other people. And so you have this audience that are highly engaged and want to have an intelligent adult conversation about something with other people. And so you've got this incredible opportunity to create a discussion around yourself. Because let's be clear, personal branding isn't about your ego. It's not about fluffing up your your kind of um I don't know you don't want to be famous I have no I have no interest in being famous like at all I have an interest in building a community around myself that are having discussions that I've facilitated like that's the end goal there so that people come to you for that discussion they know where to come Um, and I think that's why it's so powerful LinkedIn I guess is probably the greatest b2b marketing platform that's probably ever existed and it's also the highest converting and that facts back that up it's the highest converting channel period and that's not just b2b that's b2c as well in terms of conversions off the platform into website so 
like the stats don't lie and I think also there's it's not just b2b there is a place for direct-to-consumer brands as well you look at the likes of Gymshark you look at the likes of um you know all those kind of mattress in a box companies and all that kind of stuff they are leveraging LinkedIn to reach their customers they're just doing it in a different way because let's be honest like consumers are consumers whether they're at work or not (laughs) like they still buy in the same way so it doesn't matter whether you reach them at their office or you reach them at home if you've bought into their emotions and they're buying into your product, you're still going to sell to them. It's just they happen to be at work. Have you seen the ServiceNow videos that went viral? Um, I haven't, no. Oh my gosh, I'm so sharing them with you afterwards because you're going to love this. They are a workflow company. They are a B2B company. And they created the most brilliant work from home videos um, over the past sort of three or four months but they have done these videos as if they were selling b2c but they're targeted for b2b they're funny they're engaging you want to watch them and it's part of a series and i think what you're touching on there is around this idea of bringing the way we would sell b2c to b2b because it is b2c really these are people exactly you start understanding that people buy from people like you said at the beginning it it changes the way that we craft what we're saying and it's not surprising that you have nike pepsi cola like all these companies that are behemoths mcdonald's they are all huge because they sell to your emotion and then you look at salesforce you look at um gong io you look at all these other businesses who are b2b they are so big because they sell to your emotion. The selling and the buying is the same. And the ones that have cracked it are the billion dollar unicorns. Like That's the common denominator. They've all cracked that emotional selling, that touching on the human human emotion. We Like science tells us that. It doesn't matter whether you're we're buying for your business, or you're buying for yourself, you buy with emotion first. So why wouldn't you want to leverage that in your B2B business? Like it's the same, people buy the same way. They just happen to be at work. Now, a few moments ago, you dropped in a little line that I'm sure all of our listeners are like, make sure you ask her this question. You got a million views on a post. Talk to me about that post. <laughs> what was it and why did that happen? Um, it was basically about failure. So I'd, I had, I'm, I'm normally pretty, I wouldn't say strategic, but I plan, I I plan out my posts maybe a week in advance, just because I am the most disorganized person you'll meet. And if I don't, then it won't happen. Um, so I, 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 I document all these things. I write all my ideas down. I journal a lot. So for anyone that's listening that wants to build their personal brand or, or perhaps is and doesn't really know where to start, a great place to start is to start consuming content and then dictate your ideas into the notes section of your phone. Because number one, it's easy. I'm lazy. I, don't, I want to find shortcuts to do everything. And number two, um, it writes exactly how you speak and conversational language converts, right? And we know that from all, all types of copywriting. People like to read in a way that you would speak it to them. That's by the by. I got a million views on this post. I came out of a pitch meeting that I completely messed up. Like, I, I honestly, I could, it could not have gone worse. It was with a, it was with a massive business. It would have been our biggest win to date. Um, I was sat around the the boardroom with the board. I was unprepared. I was kind of ambushed a little bit, so I was put on the back foot. And it was just a shock. It was an absolute stinker. It was like the the worst the worst outcome we could have had happened, right? And so I came out of that meeting and I was like. I can do two things here. I can one, dwell on it and go, Amelia, you're such an idiot. How could you mess this massive opportunity up? You know, if you're going for a month, this would have been a massive win for us. Or I could go, 
all right, we didn't win, so we learn. We learn now that this is not what we do next time. We learn from it, et cetera. So I put out a post that said something like, um, you know, I sent I sent I, I sent out an email a few a few years ago to the wrong email address and it was uh, to the wrong email addresses for a massive business. It was a stinker again. So basically I listed all my failures. I said I did this thing with emails, I messed up a pitch yesterday, I dissolved my first business when I was 21. But really and truly, there's no such thing as failure. You either win or you learn. What do you think? And everyone and literally within two minutes my phone was like ding 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 and I was like oh my god this is this has gone bananas but it did so well because it was emotional it had nothing to do with my business it had nothing to do with your business it had to do with we all fail like we all mess up sometimes and you know what that's not the end of the world if anything it was a lesson to do it better next time crack on and I think that type of stuff does so well regardless of what platform you're on because people read that and go yeah I messed up a pitch yesterday too. And yeah, like failure is okay. And, and I think that's why I did so well. Was it a written post or a video? It was a written post, yeah. So in isolation, text posts perform best. So that kind of guides my strategy a little bit. I normally do one video a week, one live a week, and then the rest of my posts are text posts. Just number one, again, I'm lazy. It's the easiest thing to do to just write a text post. If I, I always say to people, if you're a lazy marketer, you're a clever marketer, because you'll find the quickest route to market. You'll find the quickest route to, the most efficient way to reach people. And that's me. I'm like, right, how can I reach people in the most easy, efficient, like best return on investment way? And that's always going to be text posts on LinkedIn because people read it on their phone normally. So they want to be able to digest it very quickly. I think these stories that you've just given a great example, and I've seen many of your other stories that uh, that you've been writing and, and your team has been writing, you know, I've been following Danielle as well. He's got some great stories and she's, she's also an amazing example of building a personal brand really quickly on LinkedIn and getting- From scratch. From scratch, I know. Yeah, she had 180 um, followers when she joined Clout and she's now got like 2000 and she did that in like four weeks. <laughs> like it's Amazing, but she's putting out great content and she's- yeah. She's doing like you, which I think is what you're saying, is nobody really wants the commercial. No one wants the advert. No one wants to see what you're really doing in your work, per se. They want the, the Oprah show, the chat show, the, the Ellen show, which is what happened to you with your you know, meeting that didn't go how you had planned. But that is much more interesting. It's real life. It's emotion. It's, it's the story. It's the resonating. But I do have one problem, and I try and steer away from this myself, is everyone tries to take a life situation and like find this little way that weaves it back to their business. And it just, that still feels inauthentic to me. How do you overcome that, that very fine line between authentic and no, he's still selling? So I have, a, I have a very strict rule that for every one piece of selling content, which by the way, shouldn't be selling, it should be encouraging to buy, right? How amazing are these results? I love my clients, look how good they're doing. Oh, shout out to all these people, how amazing they're doing. That's an encouragement to buy. That's not a selling post. For every one sales piece of content you do, you do four, three or four not selling. There has to be a really strong ratio, heavily weighted towards valuable content that's got nothing to do with selling. But in those valuable pieces of content, it doesn't mean you just have to tell stories the whole time. You could go, right, here's your personal branding checklist, as, if, as I did last week. I just released out this checklist. I was like, if you want to build your personal brand, here's how to do it. I, I didn't ask for anything in return, nothing. Just like, take it, enjoy. <laughs> And so you need to do that. And if you really want to get inbound leads, you really want to generate authority, you can't just be selling. You can't weave it back to your business. You can't be trying to do that 
classic marketing thing of, you know, it, it always makes me laugh. As I said, I used to work as a headhunter and the day after a big football game, there'd be an influx of LinkedIn being like, oh, well, did anyone watch the football last night? And there was like this massive kind of like pivot and it would always come back to recruitment and how like <laughs> recruitment was like football. And it was like almost like clockwork. You could just predict it was going to happen depending on how this big game had gone, that it was going to happen. It's hilarious. Um, but you can't always bring it back to business because again, people don't buy from businesses. They buy from people. They don't care about that, your business. People do not care. What they do care about is your life. They're interested in that. People are nosy. It's why reality TV is such a big hit. It's why Kim Kardashian so famous. It's why people go home early from work so they can watch Love Island and blah, blah, blah. People want to know behind the scenes what is interesting in your life. People want to know what other people are doing. And that's what will sell. That's what get people to buy into you. I'll get messages from people saying, I feel like I know you. And I've never spoken to them. They've never spoken to me, but they feel like they know me because they've learned all these things about me since following me for the last three weeks or three months or whatever it is. There will be people out there who will say, well, I feel that my views on work, life, business, politics don't resonate with the, um, how do I put this, with the mainstream approach of putting messaging out there, the view of the world that everybody wants us to try and have. And they'll be scared to be their authentic self. And so they might craft around that. I know I've done it, I'm hands up. There are things that I have said or crafted messages around where I feel this is what people want to hear. Whereas actually what I think about that situation is probably in the other direction of what actually people are thinking. And if I said it, I'd be pulled out for it. This sort of cancel culture element yeah. that has gone a bit too far. What are your views on that? For me, there are two ways in which you um, can kind of barometer check what it is that you should be putting out. Number one, would you say this thing that you're going to say online to your colleague or client? Would you have that conversation with them? And if you would, then, then I think you should say it online because if you're comfortable enough to have that conversation with your client who is paying you, then I think you should feel like you can say that kind of stuff online and it's still not blow back on you. However, the kind of next layer of that barometer check is if someone read this, would they still buy from me? If someone read what I'm about to say, would they go, yes, that's someone I want to buy from. That is someone who is a authentic, interesting human being who's not offensive, who's not rude, etc. Would I buy from them? And a good, and I think a really good way of doing that is just looking at what you're posting and going, is this negative or is this championing? There's a very fine line between being negative, which is I think the worst thing you can do on social media because people love going down that rabbit hole of negativity. And I just think you will pull yourself into a black hole that you can't get yourself out of if you're negative. Like, cause people will be going, yeah, yeah. Or they'll be like, no, you're wrong. And it just becomes this horrible kind of black hole of misery where everyone just kind of jumps on it. It's like tw Twitter is one giant black hole of misery. It's why I'm not on Twitter. I can't stand it, it's a circus. So it's that that's one thing. Championing is a different thing entirely. You can champion a section of society, an idea, a political view, a whatever it is without being negative and still be your authentic self. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it going, right, could I say this to my client? Check. Is this um, something that people would still buy from me if they read this? Check. And is this negative or is this champion? Check. And then I think that's a good way to roll with it.
Love that. Great advice. Now, look, final question for you as we give our listeners a takeaway from, from you as, as the personal branding guru. Um, you mentioned the checklist that you put out uh, last week. What, what are the points in that checklist that people need to be thinking about as they go on their personal branding journey? Um, and at the end of it, please give yourself a plug and how people could be in touch with you. I will indeed. Don't you worry. Um, So the personal branding checklist, I broke it down into daily, weekly, monthly. So on a day to day basis, you should be engaging with other people's content. So it doesn't matter what social media platform you're on. You are rewarded for staying on the platform. You are rewarded for giving back into the ecosystem as well as taking out. So go and engage other people's stuff. The best thing about the LinkedIn algorithm is if you go and engage on someone's content and they reply to you, all their network sees. So if you're super targeted about it and you're targeting people that are influencers in your customer space or perhaps holds quite a lot of credibility in your customer space if they reply to you there's a good chance that their network is made up of people that you would like to sell to whether that's someone you're trying to hire or someone you are actually physically trying to sell to so that would be my number one thing on a day-to-day basis make sure you're commenting on other people's things and it's very targeted on a, on a weekly basis, you need to be consuming content. You cannot create content if you're not consuming it. So go and listen to podcasts. As I said in the beginning of this, I'm mega lazy. So anything that I can do whilst multitasking is a win for me. So Audible and podcasts are like my best friends. Um, go and consume content. Go and read Medium. Go and read Quora. They are excellent places to go and get content ideas um, and start documenting them start writing down your ideas anything is an idea literally anything my client put diesel in his petrol car the other day and we turned that into a post that went mental so like you can literally talk about anything and anything's an idea nothing is a bad idea Um, and post three times a week if you can three times a week is really easy to manage because you can focus on making the quality of those posts really really strong as well as it being manageable in terms of posting, interacting, because going back to comments is really, really important to drive further engagement. So you need to be ready and waiting to go back to people's comments if you are going to share content. So three times a week is a good, a good number. And then on a monthly basis, do go back and check, have a look at what did well, what did, didn't do well. Like, as I said, I'm very much a data-driven marketer. I want to see what what people is what people are resonating with, what what they like, what they don't like. Maybe even go back through your comments. If there was one comment that really stood out to you, maybe you repurpose that in your next month and share that as a piece of content. So that would be my kind of daily, weekly, monthly um, checkpoint. And if you're really interested in data, like I am, you can go and um, check out a company called Shields. They are a LinkedIn analytics platform that plugs into your LinkedIn. And it gives you super, super granular data all the way down to the job titles of the people looking at your content, the region which they come from and the company where they work. So you could go, right, I'm selling to real estate and yet all these financial people are looking at my products, are looking at my posts. Maybe we need to be selling to finance as well. So it can really help shape your overall business strategy when you know who is engaging with your content and what is landing and what isn't. I love that. Amazing, amazing advice. Amelia, if people want to be in touch with you, how do they find you? LinkedIn is where I live. So all you have to do is just search for Amelia Sordell, S-O-R-D-E-L-L on LinkedIn and I'll pop up. I think I'm the only Amelia Sordell on LinkedIn. So hopefully you can find me. Well, I think you are the only Amelia Sordell. So look, thank you so much. Amazing insights, as I expected. Um, really, really valuable content. I think everybody listening can just take and digest and hopefully take some action points on. So thank you so much for being on Coffee with Curtis. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed my coffee as well. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. 
Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button so you can get weekly updates on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed your coffee.